at, at a, what was then a men's conference in Gold Creek Resort in North Georgia, and um, which later that became the CSM conference in Gatlinburg, which became co-ed after that. And, you know, we began to talk, and it was shortly after that, after I became the pastor here, that uh, Ron started coming here and speaking. Uh, I don't know if you've missed a year yet, have you? Pretty much once once every year uh, during that time. And so we've become friends. Uh, Ron and I grew up in the Florida panhandle. We, we, we uh, are joking and laughing about how many... How so many things we have in common and think alike. And we said, well, we grew up a hundred miles apart from each other in the same, uh, climate and the same culture. And, uh, we're about the same age. I know he looks older, but, uh, <laughs> and, and we've joked because we were, we were, we went to competing high schools and, uh, we know that at some point we were in the same gymnasiums and football fields together because our schools played each other regularly. Obviously we didn't know each other. So, uh, we've had a friendship that's developed down through the years. Uh, Ron is the director of mission support. Did I say it right? For international outreach ministries. Uh, he's been in the ministry as long as I've been in the ministry or I've been in the ministry as long as he has. I don't know which way that works. Which is, uh, what, 47 years? 47 years. Um, began his ministry as a teenager with Teen Challenge. And so, uh, but for the last number of years, Ron has been basically a globetrotter. You'd be hard pressed to name a country Ron has not been to in a missions effort. He just got back from Kenya not that long ago. And, uh, would be, would be going to Greece if they'd let him, but they won't let him. But we let him come to Mount Juliet. And as I've said before, you just prepare your heart. I pray that you have hearing ears today, uh, because Ron always comes with a word in his mouth for Abundant Life Church for today. And so I pray, well, I'll just do that. Lord Jesus, I pray today that we would all hear your the voice of your Holy Spirit through your servant, and that you would speak to us because of the living and active Word of God that's being proclaimed. I pray that you'd rest an anointing on Ron to be able to speak the words of life under the anointing of your of your power and your Holy Spirit. Let us have hearing ears, Lord Jesus. And I pray in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Come, Ron. By the way, Ron lives near Mobile, Alabama, with his wife, Sharon, and other family members. Thank you, buddy. Good morning. morning. It's good to be here today. Good to be with you guys, and appreciate I was thinking yesterday, it is so enjoyable. Larry and I spent some time hanging out yesterday and fellowshipping and telling war stories and all kind of good stuff, and we really appreciated just being together. I, uh, I did, uh, last year when I came, uh, I basically had to say I've, I've been nowhere. Uh, there's a couple of churches that I go to that they play the, uh, uh, the, the, um, not Hank Williams, um, Hank Snow's song, I've been everywhere. Uh, uh, but last year it was I've been nowhere. Uh, 
This year has been a little better. In, in June, I uh, took a team to Guatemala. We have a missionary in, in Guatemala, and we spent some time there uh, working with children and ministry. And then, as Larry just said, I just got back from Kenya. We have a couple of schools there where we train pastors. I've shared this over the years. Uh, we We have had for the last... It was supposed to be two years, again, because of COVID. It got extended a little bit. But we've had the first school for pastoral training among the Maasai tribe in uh, Kenya. They are the warring tribe there. And uh, they we, we graduated 25 pastors from a two-year school there. And it was absolutely marvelous. They were so excited and just so thrilled uh, to participate. I was telling the guys the other night that we really fill a niche around the world. We have schools. We have two schools in Kenya, a school in Uganda, school in Democratic Republic of the Congo, Senegal, Zambia, India, two in Mexico, and in Cuba. Okay? And so we're training pastors all over, and a lot of times they can't go to the big city, to a university to learn Bible study. And so Years ago, 20 years ago, developed a program whereby the pastors come in for two weeks to class and go home for six weeks. And that way they're able to stay with their family, do the things that they need to do. And they do this over a two-year period of time, and they are able to get a diploma in studies. We teach them on the basic uh, uh, Bible studies like uh, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey. And we also teach the covenant and the kingdom. And we teach kingdom life to them. And every one of them almost tell us at the end of the year, thank you, because we were teaching heresy and didn't know it. And so we are able to share with them about the kingdom of God and their family and their church and their life and every aspect of them. And so it was just so exciting. And uh, they just absolutely uh, just were thrilled to participate. And so we had that school. I did the graduation, spoke at the graduation. And then we went to Katali, Kenya, where we have our main campus. And we also spoke at another uh, school for 37 pastors. And I spoke at the graduation for them and helped to graduate that class. And so it was, it was just a wonderful experience. And so I'm so thankful that we're able to raise up these pastors and leaders and help them to be a part of the kingdom of God and understand what their function is. And so we really appreciate those that stand with us in, in so many aspects of doing this. Um, I, um, I, I really appreciate uh, sharing about Haiti. I've been to Haiti a number of times over the years. It's such a, such a, a needy place. There's so many things. Don't we know what's going on around the world? Um, after I was here last year, um, there, there's problems in Cuba. I haven't been able to go to Cuba because of of uh, not really COVID because of of issues that are there. They've just closed the country. Uh, but I've been able to, last year, with the help of the Lord, we were able to send over $25,000 in, uh, in, in support. Uh, in Cuba, they stand in line for uh, three and four hours to buy a tube of toothpaste for $7. Uh, it, it's, it's the same thing in Haiti and so many other places. We all know what's going on in Afghanistan. And so we just need to pray for our world, don't we? We need to pray for what God's doing. And I'm thankful that I get to work with heroes of missionaries that uh, one of the things is Larry um, got my title right. I appreciate that, Larry, because it's really important. Um, uh, that 
what I do is I am the director of mission support. I, my goal is to help missionaries be successful. And so I try to connect them to people, to situations, to things, to ministry, to be able to help them do what God has called them to do. And so it's, it's just very important. And I appreciate Abundant Life over these years. You've uh, helped us and sowed into us. And we're so very, very thankful for that. I, um, I don't have a, a lot of trips. Uh, he mentioned I was supposed to go to Greece uh, and uh, Italy and Germany. But they've shut that down. I was supposed to go to the Philippines, and uh, they've shut that country down. I can't go into the Philippines. And I am, if all goes well, going to our school in Mexico in November, and I'll be uh, teaching a class and, and speaking at the graduation in Mexico in November. And so um, we're just praying for God to open the doors that he wants us to go through, and we're going to be ready to do what he wants us to do when he calls us to do it. I do have one quick thing before I minister the word and just tell you that uh, over the years, the last number of years, I've taken several tours to Israel, and I am taking another one in January. And I will tell you, some people have asked me, said, well, uh, isn't things tense in Israel? I said, it's always tense in Israel, uh, always. And so, but the fact is, it's it's very safe. We just had a tour come back from Israel. And I am going to be leading a tour January the 28th through February the 5th. If that's always been on your bucket list, uh, you need to go with me. We do a couple of neat things. Uh, we do something that I don't know if any other tour does. On the last day, we have a free day. We just let everybody get loose in old Jerusalem and walk around and do whatever you want to do. Uh, drink coffee, shop, uh, just, just absorb being there. And so we do that. We're also adding uh, an addition this year that we're going to Rome, and we're going to spend three days in Rome and go to the Vatican and and, uh, go to the Colosseum and different other areas where Paul was. And then we're also, they've thrown in, uh, this was not really part of the original plan, but just the way the air flights worked out this year, we're going to spend the night on the way back in Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, we're going to see some of the sites around Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, the trip to Israel is about $3,600. The addition is about $1,600. So the whole trip is about $5,200. It's in four-star hotels and uh, buffet breakfast and dinners. And uh, if you're interested in going, you can go to my website at ronaldgrayministries.org or .com or .net. Uh, we own all of those. And... You can download a brochure, but uh, we have a number of people going. And I'm going to just say to you that as I'm getting older, I don't know that there's many more tours to Israel in me. And so I don't. Th- this could be my last hurrah of uh, taking anybody. So if you're interested in going, uh, you can uh, go to our website and, and certainly feel free to call me if you desire to. All right. Let's turn in our Bible today to Mark 11:25. Mark eleven twenty five, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. I just, I, I, I love scripture in so many different ways. If you have anything, <laughs> covers a lot, against anyone. Now, 
I'm a country boy and there's a lot of things I don't understand, but I understand that. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Okay? Then Matthew 6.12, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then verse 14 and 15 in chapter 6. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then one other scripture in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter, Peter is the ultimate negotiator. He was born for negotiation. He said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Should I do it seven times? <laughs> I, just, I, I just really, I love Peter. And Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Peter wanted to go back to the negotiating table, but there was no other negotiations. He said, forgive 70 times seven. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy to us. Thank you for every good thing that comes from your hand. We honor you and we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. Help us today to hear your word. And again, not just be hearers only, but be doers also. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, isn't it interesting, again, Scripture is very definitive in that there's there's no mistakes in what Jesus was doing. He had an intentional plan. And he said, 70 times 7. Now, he could have said 490 times. For y'all math quizzes, that's what 70 times 7 is, okay? And he could have said, just forgiving 490 times, but he didn't. He said, forgive 70 times 7. Uh, <clears throat> 70 years is what's promised to man. The number 7 means complete or finished. It's uh, Numbers are important in Scripture. It's perfection. Hebrew is written... In alphanumeric type, every word has a numerical value. The word taman comes from the value of 490. It literally means a complete and perfect and finished product. I declare to you that if we ever want to walk in completion, in perfection, to become the finished product that God wants us to do, be, we have to learn to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not just a feeling. I believe we are choosing to give grace before the offense even happens. Walking in a life of forgiveness must be a premeditated posture. <laughs> Why? Because the Bible says that offenses will come. Now, nobody puts that on their refrigerator, but the fact is, is that we're all offended at some point in time in our life. We all struggle with hurts with pain from betrayals and difficulties and business dealings and family. I talked to the men about family on Friday night. The fact is, is family can either bring out the best in us or bring out the worst in us. 
And so we struggle with those issues and we struggle with problems. But I believe that it's my opinion that in many ways today that forgiveness is the most important thing that we need to deal with today. Relationships have become fragile and broken. The enemy is trying to, to divide and conquer. The enemy is trying to cause us to be at war with one another. People get offended at the least little thing. We say something and we don't even intend to be offensive. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes I have intended to be offensive, but, and, and miss the mark. They didn't get it, so I had to say it twice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but sometimes we, the, the, the truth is, is that we, we just live in a culture today that so many times, and, and, and it's permeated the house of the Lord. It's permeated us. And that so many times we get offended and hurt over situations and we, we find it difficult to, difficult to forgive. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have had somebody do something to you that stung or hurt you deeply or uh, caused you to have an unforgiving spirit. I, I hadn't told this story in a long time, but as I was thinking about the message, I thought I would share it again. Many, many years ago, I was asked to speak in Miami, Florida. And and so I flew to Miami, and the pastor picked me up, and we're going to uh, what I think is where he's where I'm going to stay. And he, he looks over at me in the car, and he says, Well, Ron... He said, normally I keep the guest in my home, but he said, um, w- one of our bathrooms is broken. And he said, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and a couple of their girls are all staying with us in the house with a bathroom that's broken. And we've decided to put you somewhere else. And I was like, thank God. And... And so we drove up in, and I'm thinking the Holiday Inn. It's kind of where I'm at. And we drive up in the yard and there's a pop-up camper. It's August in Miami. It's 98 degrees in the shade. And he says, you're not going to stay here. We're going to take it over to the church facility. Great. And so we get out. He doesn't know how to put it down. It's up. And so I help him and we put it down. And quite honestly, I'm thinking that any minute that this is all for fun. And I'm thinking that any minute somebody's going to step out and say, smile. You're on candid camera. But no. We load it up and we take it over to the church facility. The church facility is at the corner of two four-lane highways. There is not a tree in the yard, okay? We put the camper up. He says there's a bathroom at the corner of the building. It's that door that's hanging on its hinge. And he said, I'll pick you up every afternoon at 3 o'clock to take a shower before the meetings. And he said, see ya. And he left. And I stood there for 30 minutes thinking he's going to come back. That again, somebody is just joking. He doesn't come back. 
Well, I wish I could tell you that I was happy. I was not a happy camper. (laughs) I got into the camper and I let down all of the flaps trying to get a breeze. I took off all the clothes that I thought was appropriate at the corner of two four-lane highways. And I'm trying to catch a breeze. And I'm thinking, God, how could you let this happen to me? Your favorite son. The man of faith and power. And here I am sweating. And then the Lord said, I thought you said you'd go anywhere. I said, you were listening to that conference. That was, that was what I prayed a year ago. I'm not sure that applies now. He said, you said you'd go to Africa. I said, yes, I said that, but that was when the preacher was listening. I mean, I don't know that, I don't know that I'm going to do that. And I, I couldn't believe, I said, God, I can't believe this. I'm sweating just standing here. I'm not even moving. And I said, I don't want to be here. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and said, you know, if you can't deal with it here, you can't deal with it anywhere. I said, God, I don't want to be here. I was mad at this pastor. I wanted him to sweat. (laughs) I did. The next, I, I laid there. Next morning, I got up to get ready for the service, and I sweated three times just trying to get ready for the meeting. And finally, got up there, and the I, I let me back up and just tell you, I, I finally laid there, and I said, "Lord, I did tell you that I'd go anywhere. I don't want to be here, but God, I'm going to be content in this situation. God, I'm going to." I'm going to forgive him. I'm, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be what's right. And so I just made a decision to forgive and to just go with whatever was going on. And the next morning I preached at the service and there was a couple hundred people in the service and, and, uh, a couple that hadn't been to church in many years had got offended at something, but came back that morning and they walked up to the pastor's wife and, and said, we really enjoyed the guest speaker this morning. He said, where's he staying? And they said, he's in a tent behind the church. And they said, no, really, where's he staying? And they said, look right through that window. That's where he's staying. And so the lady walked up to me in the house and she walked up and she said, well, uh, brother Ron, we really enjoyed your message this morning, but said, uh, we understand that you're staying in a tent behind the church. And I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause mama said, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. And, they said, uh, we'd like to invite you to our house. I said, my bags are packed. <laughs> I figured anything was up. And sure enough, I got in the car with them and after the service and went over to their house and they had an indoor swimming pool. They had a refrigerator with cool fruit juices in it. I moved up <laughs> and I said, thank you, Lord, that my attitude changed because I believe if it hadn't, I'd have stayed all week in that tent. You know, in the middle of all of that, their two sons both accepted the Lord that week. God touched all of them. They were filled with the Spirit. God ministered and used us with that family that week 
And I'd have never been there if it hadn't have been for the circumstances of the tent and going through the process. You see, you never know where God is taking you. You never know what the Lord wants to do in you and through you. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this, about forgiveness this morning, about some things that I believe are important concerning forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness is an unnatural act. Forgiveness is not usually the first thing that comes to our mind. It's usually retaliation. It's usually vengeance. Sigmund Freud said one must forgive one's enemies, but not before they are hanged. <laughs> well, knew where he stood. Philip Yancey, who's written a bunch of books, said forgiveness is not sweet, platonic ideal to be dispensed to the world like perfume sprayed from a fragrance bottle. It is achingly difficult. Long after you have forgiven, the wound lives on in memory. It's such a struggle. It's not the natural thing for us to do. It's not built into our natural DNA. Margarita Lasky, who's a well-known atheist, made an amazing confession on television. She said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. She added rather sadly, I have no one to forgive me. She, did, she, she knew that there was forgiveness within Christian life, and yet in her own life, because of the natural framework of our life, we struggle with forgiveness. I believe that God wants us to go beyond the natural. The Bible says that we are new creations. Old things have passed away. And so we're not to operate just in the natural, we're to operate in the supernatural. Amen? I believe that forgiveness is release and letting go. Relationships must have a base of forgiveness in them to survive. John said to Jesus when he saw him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's taking away the sin of unforgiveness. It's taking away the sin of not having mercy and grace. It's those things that I believe it's is being willing to let go of those things that have hurt us. So many times we struggle in a realm where we say, somebody did something to me and it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago, and we've never been able to release it and let it go. A guy named Lewis Meads, an author, said, if you cannot free people from their wrongs and see them as the needy people they are, you enslave yourself to your own painful past. And by fastening yourself to the past, you let your hate become your future. What a difficult place it is when we allow our past to become our future. You know, the fact is, is we all have struggles. I, As I was praying about forgiveness and I was looking up different things and reading different things, I came across uh, several stories. Clara Barton, who was the founder of the American Red Cross was once reminded by a friend of a cruel thing that had happened to her many years earlier. Clara seemed unable to remember the incident. Don't you remember the wrong that was done to you? The friend asked insistently. No, Clara answered calmly. I distinctly remember forgetting that. What a great quote. You know, here she was. Yes, I could remember, but I choose to not remember. I choose to release and let it go. 
You know, as I travel, I find so many times people that are holding on to so many past hurts and past difficulties and past sin and past betrayals. But I believe that forgiveness is truly just releasing and letting go of those things and moving into the destiny that God has for us. The third thing is forgiveness, I believe, is distinctively Christian. It's distinctively Christian. You know, even though unforgiveness and bitterness has been a continuing problem throughout history, there's very little written in books or magazines or any psychological literature. But the Word is filled with admonitions to forgive. Isn't it amazing that among psychologists and the world, there's so little that is shared about forgiving And yet the Bible is filled page after page, scripture after scripture that says, if you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. You know, we make it so difficult and we make it so, uh, uh, so, such a struggle in our life when God just simply wants us to be people who forgive those who hurt us, forgive those who despitefully use us. Forgive those who say things against us, who lie about us, who do these things. And so I believe that one of the marks of being a follower of Jesus Christ is being able to forgive those who have hurt us. Forgive the people in our life who have done things against us. And somewhere in our life, I wanted to tell you, you're going to find a place where if you're ever going to move forward in God, You've got to find a place of forgiveness for those who have hurt you in the past. We all, again, face so many things in our life of things where people have said things and lied about us, but we have to be able to forgive them. I believe that forgiveness is an act of faith. I believe it's only possible through the power of God. A story that I'd heard years ago, but... I was reminded of in this is the story of Corey Ten Boone. What a great person. I was able to be a number of years ago in, in Harlem in the house of the Ten Booms and I went into the store, the watch store that the Ten Boom family owned and because of some relationships that I had, we were invited actually to the set, the, to the, the second floor of the home, which is not usually open as far as the museum is concerned, and I actually got to play the pump organ uh, that Corey Tibbu played and played. We all sang Amazing Grace together. It was quite a wonderful moment together. But Corey Tibbu, you know the story of the hiding place, and her family took in Jews, and out of that process, they wound up being put into uh, horrible centers. And she tells a story where she was at a church in Munich, Germany, and she saw a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visor cap with a skull and crossbones. Memories of the concentration camp came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, 
the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my father's frail form ahead of me, the ribs sharp beneath the parchment of sin. Betsy, her sister, and I had been arrested for concealing Jews at our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And this man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, a hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein, how good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And that it's easy to say things sometimes. It was the first time since my release that I'd been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He said, I was a guard there, but since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I'd like to hear it from your lips as well. Will you forgive me? Wow. When I read that, I think about what she had to feel at that moment. Having been made to stand naked, beaten, pushed. So many things done to her and to her family. I stood there, she said. And I could not for a moment. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It seemed like hours when it was probably only seconds. But I had to do it. Jesus, help me, I prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And then, as I took his hand, the healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. You know, I've never been put into a concentration camp. I've had some people lie about me. I've had some people say some things that were derogatory. But I've never been in that situation. And yet, sometimes I found it so difficult to forgive them. And yet, here's Corey Ten Boom. Be willing to forgive the very person who had caused such great problems and great depth. She said, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. You know, it's so easy for us to let things get between us. And sometimes we think again that the reason that we're not as close to God as we want to be is because of somebody else's fault and what somebody else did. But the truth is, it's many times it's just us. Say that I need to be willing to forgive those who have said things against me, who have done things against me. I believe that God wants us to release those areas in our life and find forgiveness for those people. And then, you know, as I said at the beginning, in the scripture in Mark 11, 
that I, as many times as I've read it, it's just overwhelmed me again that if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. The only way for us to obtain the forgiveness that God really has for us is to forgive others. I believe that forgiveness is spiritual power. I believe that unforgiveness opens the door for satanic work. I believe that unforgiveness allows the enemy to build a place inside of us, a stronghold, and keeps us from obtaining the benefits and the blessings. You know, we all, the, the enemy will cause you to focus. I, I was praying this morning and I was thinking about not too long ago, I was sitting with some friends of mine. I, I pastored a church in South Carolina from 1985 to 95. <laughs> and just to tell you that when you pastor, you make a lot of friends, but you also make a couple of enemies. Because no matter how sweet you are, some people don't like you. And there were some people that left the church and, and all of a sudden, I saw a Facebook post where three or four or five of these people that had left the church, this is, this is 20 years ago. But I'm talking about maybe four or five months ago that this happened. But 20 years ago, they had left the church and all of a sudden I see on Facebook that they're all sitting around a table laughing and enjoying themselves. And I had one of those moments I thought, why do those people hate me so much? Why do those people, why, why did they, why did they leave the church? Why, why did they do this? And I just was going through, and I was sitting there and, uh, how many of you know that every now and then you just say something out loud that you didn't think you were saying out loud? And I just said out loud, I said, why do those people hate me so much? And my friend looked over and said, Ron said, don't concentrate on that. I said, forgive them. And look at the people that God has put into your life. We're here with you. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's one of the things that will happen is you'll, you'll start looking at the people who have forsaken you or hurt you rather than the people who are with you and love you and care for you and want to be a part of what you're doing. And the enemy will cause you to get sidetracked and you'll lose all reality of what really God wants to do with your life. And so we need to move beyond that. I believe that forgiveness is spiritual power. I believe that forgiveness comes through deep sacrifice. The ultimate symbol of forgiveness is the cross, which is also the ultimate symbol of sacrifice. I love this morning that we sing some great hymns. And I wrote down this hymn. Jesus paid it all. And I hear the Savior say, And thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Cause Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots 
and melt the heart of stone. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left this crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It's washed away all my sin, all my shame. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. If Jesus can forgive me, how much more should I be able to forgive others? I see so much dissension and strife in so many places today. People are upset about this and that or the other. I saw a quote yesterday that said the church is divided by semantics. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. The reality is that so many people are saying so many different things. And sometimes the truth is, is we interpret what they are saying by our own viewpoint, by our own place, and we make a decision about things. And so it builds something between us that keeps us from pursuing what God has for us. There's two things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to do today. One is that I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to pray in a little while that if you need to forgive somebody, that God will give you the spiritual power that you need to forgive them once and for all. Finally, finish it. Get rid of it. Bury it. Do something with it. Get it out of your life and be able to move on with what God has for you. But I also felt like that as I just talked about Jesus paid it all, I really felt that so many times as I talk to people, we struggle with the fact that we can be forgiven. I meet people every day, it seems like, that talk about the situations and pain that they've caused in their own life and they struggle with their own forgiveness. But I want to declare to you today unequivocally, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the forgiver of sin. He's the forgiver of pain and hurt. And He wants to forgive you and bring you into life eternal. Are you forgiven? You are according to the Word of God. If you'll just, if you'll simply confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I came across a, another great story. Ernest Hemingway wrote a short story years ago about a father and his teenage son. They had a terrible disagreement. And the son, whose name was Paco, ran away from home. The father searched desperately through the streets of Madrid, Spain, looking for his son. And finally, he put an ad in the newspaper that said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. At noon, 800 boys named Paco showed up. All of them wanted to be forgiven by their fathers. 
All of them were looking for some place of forgiveness and some place of hope, some place of purpose, some place of direction. And so today I want to give an opportunity that if you've been struggling with forgiving yourself and being forgiven and feeling like the Lord has forgiven you for something you've done or something you haven't done, because we struggle with both of those. Sometimes we we struggle with the fact of I should have done this in my life and I didn't do it and we struggle the rest of our life because of something we didn't do. Or we struggle sometimes because of something that we have done. And we need to find the forgiveness of the Father. We need to find the forgiveness that only comes from Him. Going back to the story of Corey Tim Boom, of thinking about her reaching out and shaking this man's hand that it caused so much pain and saying, I forgive you. What happened in that moment was such a release of the grace of God and the goodness of God and the benefits and the blessings of God. And so today, there's two things, again, that I want us to accomplish. One, I want to pray that God would help you to forgive and be a person of forgiveness. (laughs) Stop negotiating with God like Peter did. How many times do I have to forgive? Seven times? (laughs) Well... 70 times 7, a place of completeness, a place of peace, a place where you could finally walk through your life and say, I don't have those grudges anymore. I'm not holding on to that pain. And the truth is, is a lot of us, you know, something happens and all of a sudden that pain rises again in us. But I believe that God wants us to get rid of that pain. He wants us to move into a place of His peace, His purpose, and the grace of God. And I believe that if we could do that, we'll find victory in our lives. Amen? So I want you to stand with me, would you? I really believe, I made this statement earlier, as I prayed about this day. It's been so much in my heart about the fact of forgiving others and finding forgiveness for ourselves. You know, Larry talked about, I've been doing this for 47 years. It's, it's always easy to preach something of victory and a hurrah, you know. I recently did a men's Bible study at my home because I couldn't travel. I decided since I couldn't go around the world, I'd work at Jerusalem for a while. And so I had a men's Bible study, and I was talking to them. And it amazed me as they shared with me so much pain of things that had been said to them, churches that they felt like had done them wrong, pastors that had done them wrong, people that had done them wrong, and they were carrying all this unforgiveness. And I said, Lord, we've got to deal with this. We've got to, we've got to get to a place, no matter how many times we've heard this. You know, we've, we, we've heard messages about forgiveness all of our life, and yet 
I feel like sometimes we still hold on to so much unforgiveness. So the first thing I want us to do is just let's bow our heads for just a moment. And Father, I just pray, Lord, in the only way that I know how, God, I pray, Lord, for you to help us to forgive those who have hurt us. Forgive those, Lord, who have used us and betrayed us. Forgive those, Lord, who have done evil against us. Forgive those, Lord, who have lied about us. Forgive those who have spread false rumors about us. Forgive those, Lord, who have intentionally done things to hurt us. Even those, God, I pray that you give us the supernatural power to forgive. I want you in this room right now. You, Again, this is between you and God. But I believe the Lord is doing something in some of your lives today. I believe that God is helping you. I pray for the grace of God, Lord, to help us to forgive others, Lord. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Even to have the ability, Lord, to be able to go through, Lord, the pains and the hurts, God, to get to the other side and to realize, God, you paid it all. Lord, all to you we owe. Lord, we want to be able to forgive and find reconciliation and find restoration and find hope for our future, God. I pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. And now while your heads are bowed, I believe, and I, I, I'm as confident of this as I'm standing here, I believe the Lord put it in my heart. I believe there's a couple of you here today that you're struggling finding forgiveness. Oh, you've prayed a prayer, but you still feel unforgiven. You feel like that there's nothing really, the, the hope is gone. You struggle because you feel like you're not worthy. You feel like you're not, you don't have the ability to go forward. But I'm telling you, just like the father wrote Paco with 800 of them, I'm telling you today in the name of the Lord God Almighty, God has forgiven you. He's already forgiven you before you've asked. He has provided a place of forgiveness and love and care and compassion for you. And what the enemy wants to do is to beat you down and bring destruction to you. And he wants you to keep carrying that weight of condemnation. But I'm telling you today, there is therefore now no condemnation to him who is in Christ Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to ask you, because I want to pray for you. Because I want to put my arms around you. And I want to say if you're here in this room today. And you are struggling with feeling forgiven. You feel like the enemy is constantly heaping condemnation upon you. And you're struggling because of something you did a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago. And you're struggling. I want to tell you, you are forgiven today. And I want the Lord to set you free. I want you to be free today when you leave this place. And so I'm just going to ask you real quickly, if you're here and the Lord's speaking to you about finding the forgiveness that God has for you in your life and you've been struggling with forgiving yourself and feeling forgiven, 
Would you just come and just let me pray for you right now? Is there anybody here that you're struggling with that? Thank you. Anybody else? There's several I know that God's speaking to you. I know. Any others quickly? Right now, just step out. I believe, I believe there's forgiveness. Hallelujah. <laughs> the father's writing that letter in the newspaper and saying, daughter, son, you are forgiven. You have been forgiven no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you said. The declaration today is you are forgiven. Boy, the enemy is, there's a, there, there's at least one person here you are struggling right now. I want to go down, but I don't want to go down. Listen, there's no condemnation here. Nobody's pointed at you, but I'm telling you, you need the forgiveness that comes from the Lord today. And I believe you've taken a step out and coming right now. I believe that God will bring freedom to your life. He'll bring liberty to your life. He'll bring wholeness to your life. Just one more moment. I believe there's another person that needs to just come. Would you come? You just come right now. Receive the forgiveness that God has. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord. God, for these. Lord, I just speak blessing to them, Father. I just pray, Lord, right now, Lord God. Lord, that you would just pour out, Lord, the cup of forgiveness. The Lord, you would pour out on the, the grace and mercy and goodness, Lord, that comes from your hand. I believe, Lord, that there's no one else like you. Lord, no one can do what you have done for us, Lord. And so, God, I thank you today and I give proclamation, Lord, that these are forgiven. Lord, that forgiveness comes, God. Lord, that there is healing in the forgiveness, God. I believe that today, God, Lord, that we walk in the place, Lord, that you have prepared for us. Lord, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And so, Lord, I thank you today that right now, Lord, that the grace of God, Lord, is flowing into these lives and making them healed and whole. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you today, God, Lord, for all the benefits and blessings, God, of serving you. Devil, you are a liar. You are a liar. And we proclaim that today that God is truth. And we proclaim today, Lord, that there is forgiveness. The Father has said, you are forgiven. Oh, hallelujah. Thrown into the depths of the sea as far as the east is to the west. We proclaim today, God, Lord, that that forgiveness, Lord, is flowing into these lives. Lord, I just speak blessing, Lord, into these that I pray. That God, today, that there would be newness of life. That there would be newness of purpose. That there would be newness of direction. And that, God, that today, Lord, we would be able to walk into what you have called us to walk in, God. Lord, not after the counsel of our old lives, but, Lord, in the newness of our new life, God. In the place, God, that you have prepared for us, in the place, God, that you have called us to. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you today, God, for the grace and mercy, Lord, that fills us 
to overflowing. Hallelujah. And now, Lord, I pray for this house. I pray, God, Lord, that it would be a place as it always has been. Lord, that whosoever will can come. And that, God, that no matter where we've come from or what we've done or what we've said, Lord, I believe there's a place for us. And, Lord, I pray, God, Lord, that we would walk, Lord, in a state of forgiveness, that we would walk in a place, God, of being able to say, Lord, no matter what has happened, no matter what people have done to us, Lord, I walk in a state of forgiveness and believing, God, Lord, that that forgiveness brings wholeness and completeness to my life and to the life of those around me. We honor you today, God, and we pray, Lord, that you that has begun a good work in us, that you'll bring it to completion, that you'll do all that you want to do in us, God, and help us, Lord, to walk as forgiven and walk as forgivers. We thank you for it, Father, in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.